I'm Heidi Holton with John Latimer. It's time now to continue our Forest History Series. It's produced by Mark Jacobs. We strive to take an in-depth look at some natural resource-based issues important to our region, problems, but also highlighting some creative solutions. Today, we're welcoming to the conversation Dennis Kepler from Minnesota DNR Resource Assessment. He's telling us about how Minnesota forests have changed over the past several decades. Welcome, Dennis and Mark. Thanks for being with us this morning. Good morning. Thank you for inviting me. Morning. Good morning. So, Dennis, uh, tell us a little bit about what is the Minnesota Forest Resource Assessment and what's your role there? Yeah, so uh, the Resource Assessment Program is uh, within the Division of Forestry, uh, which is also, of course, within the DNR, the Department of Natural Resources. Uh, and the mission of uh, Resource Assessment is to assess the forest resources, essentially um, uh, figure out what we have out there on the landscape in forestry, primarily on state lands. However, we do assess other other resources uh, for other ownerships. Uh, so primarily it's forestry, but we've also expanded a little bit into, into wetlands and some other natural resources uh, over, over the last 20 years or so. Uh, so essentially what we do is forest inventory is, is really a systematic collection of uh, forest information uh, uh, which we conduct um, over time uh, to, to assess and monitor the forest resources that, that exist out there. We, we collect data like tree species, um, diameter, breast height, uh, which gives us some volume information and basal area information, height, <clears throat> and other metrics important to assessing the quality and the health of the, of the tree. Uh, by collecting uh, this tree information um, or measurements, uh, within a sampling area, we can uh, then uh, expand that to a state or a county uh, uh, information. Um, so the other data uh, that we collect or utilize um, includes remotely sensed data, which we've expanded considerably due to new technologies and computing power um, over the over the over the years. And as the name implies, this information is collect collected remotely, uh, like aerial photography, which we're in charge of, um, satellite imagery, which we which we download, uh, and and other data like lidar, which I hope we can talk about later on in the in the program. Um, and my role in the resource assessment is I came in um, in the late 90s and uh, was a remote sensing analyst um, with forestry experience. Um, I went to school out, out in Oregon, at Oregon State University, worked out there for a while um, and came in here as a remote sensing analyst. And now I'm the supervisor um, and I manage the program, make sure it's viable and, and we conduct our mission appropriately. That's my role. <laughs> Well, uh, Dennis, you and I have known each other for quite some time, <laughs> and uh, and I'm curious what uh, what sort of changes have you noted, say, uh, in the last forty years in in the forest, in its health, in its makeup, what's happening to the uh, to the forests? So the the one thing that we do uh, within the resource assessment is we we operate it or or we conduct. Uh, the what's called the Forest Inventory and Analysis Program, which is a national program, um, forest inventory program, in which we collect uh, 
specific plots, and those are individual fixed radius plots uh, uh, within a system across the continental um, United States. It's, it's expanded into Alaska and Hawaii and, 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 and other places, Puerto Rico, uh, but it's primarily was primarily set up uh, way back in the 30s uh, and, and has progressed since then uh, through time uh, to collect data um, across the United States and Minnesota is a part of that. Um, I go into this information a little bit just so you understand where this data comes from. So, so the data that we collect in um, in, in the FIA program is really uh, looking at tree uh, information like what I um, illustrated or, or spoke about a few minutes ago, but also uh, the health. And, and really what we do is the important part about this inventory is that it's really a, a status and trends and monitoring system. So we go back to each one of these plots once every five years and we remeasure everything. So that gives us a static, a, a, a dynamic trend that may be occurring over the over the state or the plot. Um, um, and it tells us something about what's happening over the over the all of our forests, not well, not only within the state, but within the US. So with that said, uh, uh, what some of the trends that are occurring um, for the last 40 years is is uh, uh, the, the forest is growing by about 1% a year, which is considerable. Uh, we, we Back in the 70s, we had around 16 and a half million. Um, and now we have well over 17 million acres, over 17 and a half million acres of forest land. That said, uh, while the forest is managed uh, pretty heavily on public lands, not necessarily on on national forest land, but state and county, uh, it is getting older in general um, over the state, and that's primarily on on, on private lands. Uh, so, so we we collect data uh, based on condition classes, and we collect data on whether the whether the stand has been harvested or 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 what have you. Um, and so, and so, it's 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 interesting um, when we when we talk about potential climate change and how uh, that may influence our forests. I think as we go through time, I'm not a climatologist, um, and I don't I, I don't profess to be, so I don't predict what may happen in the future with forests. However, some of the trends are that um, our forests are getting older, and potentially some of the species are are, are look like they may end up. Um, changing, and that's also due to um, forest health, like the um, uh, emerald ash borer, that that may impact uh, uh, or, or Minnesota's forests as well. That's a that's an interesting subject. I'm I'm always curious about how things might change. You and I are involved in the same sort of thing. I I observe, but I don't predict. I'm not going to go and say, well, 10 years from now, this is going to be the case. I'll wait 10 years and see what the case is and observe it. And right. and I feel like you and I are in the same boat there. Uh, are we are we headed toward a different sort of a forest in northeastern Minnesota? Are we going to see uh, more red maple, more red oak, mm, less spruce and and balsam, uh, what about birch? What's going to happen there? What's Are there trends that you can see now that may have some bearing on the future? Yeah, that's that's an interesting question. Um, uh, again, I, I don't like to predict, um, and, and I don't really want to predict. However, 
Um, some of those trends are, and, and, and you're speaking to the subject because you've seen those trends as well. And, and given time, uh, everything changes. That's one, that's one factor in our life. That's always constant, right? Is change. <laughs> and the forest, the forest, um, is changing as well. Um, you know, and, and not only is it potentially getting a little older in, in, in the private area, private lands, um, but some of those species like birch are declining some of the oak is changing and as as the climate uh, potentially warms up and 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 um uh, the 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 change the warm moves further north those species that are cold climate uh species uh like maples and 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 others may end up moving further north in, in into Canada. So so I, I, I do and, and prairies may be encroaching as well. However, uh, one thing that 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 uh, uh, the DNR and other uh, natural resource managers are doing is trying to plant more trees to encourage um, more growth in, in 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 forests. And so so we may need to change the way we look at our forests and what we plant um, to encourage um, a different different type of forest that that could be occurring. I know that you're more involved in in what's on the ground, the inventory analysis. Um, yes. What about what about uh, wood fiber use? Uh, are we seeing a decline in the demand for wood fiber, or is it steady? Is it increasing? Where is that going? Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. Uh, in in some cases, uh, so so a, a, as you know, in Minnesota, we we primarily uh, produce uh, a lot of a lot of pulpwood, uh, and so some of that is is definitely increasing. Um, uh, and 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 there and we're looking for new opportunities in which we can we can sell our 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 wood uh, for pulp and and some some saw saw timber uh so is it increasing um potentially um but but over time from from the 70s up till now um it it has done something in, increasing um but i'm i i, I don't want to predict exactly what's 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 going to happen in, in into the future you know it, as you know some of our some of our uh some of our other other uh, plants have actually gone down you know have, have left the, the state um like such as the one that we, we were trying to get in here in Cohasset. um we weren't able to to bring that in um so so my hope is that 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 we bring more um more folks into the state so that we can utilize there's a lot of new research out there on how to utilize wood fiber for other stuff clothing is another good Good, a good, um, uh, in for instance, that that we potentially could use it for. So that's how's that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering what sort of long underwear I could get from uh, I don't know Aspen or Willow. Yeah, or... <laughs> yeah. It, it's it's actually uh, you know there's a lot of research in that, that 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 wood fiber can be used for a lot of different things, including clothing. And so that's pretty. They're exciting. actually making it in cloquet right now. Yep. Are they a fabric? And and yep. and what sort of the base are, for the fabric? Yeah. What what are they using? Oh. What species? Aspen and maple. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, Dennis, I know there there's seems to be some misconceptions about 
the status of the forest. I know a lot of people say, well, every everything's going to Aspen now. And when you look at that FIA data, Aspen has actually decreased over the last 50 years as far as total right. acres and, and other species like pine and, and some oak and have actually increased. And I think there's some misconceptions on that just by drive-by analysis, you know. Yeah, I, I agree. Go ahead. <laughs> I bet he was going to say something. I thought John was going to no, say no, something. No, no, no. I was no, waiting. I, I, the one the one thing that I'm thinking about is, uh, you know, John Almendinger did a lot of work with uh, the original surveyors and what trees they were using as corner markers. And tamaracks were the most common tree as a corner marker across the state. Yeah. And that's hardly the state of things now. But no. uh, it, and it's interesting then to hear that, that Aspen is in decline. I had no idea. I thought that before long, the state was going to just be a, a giant aspen forest north to south. But yeah, you know there 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 is a lot of aspen out there, but it is in decline, and and part of that is due to natural decline, but also um, the the push for other species uh, within our within our forest uh, for for other resources like like Mark said, pine and oak and 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 other and other types of species. Um, um, and so, and so, our our hope, I would think that the the hope is that we utilize those other resources for for new re, for new um, new products, if you will. <clears throat> That's uh, it. It's really interesting. One more thing. It's really interesting. Uh, we we collect a lot of aerial photography, so we're flying over the forest all the time, and you can see those changes, and and you can see that 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 it's not quite the same as it was 20, 40 years ago. And when you go out there and do field work, individual plots, you can definitely see some of those changes occurring across the landscape. That's Dennis Kepler from the Minnesota DNR Resource Assessment. He's joining us this morning in our Forest History Series produced by Mark Jacobs, who's also with us. Now, Dennis, you said you wanted to talk about LIDAR. What What is it and how are you using it? Yeah, so I, I I I've heard I've heard you guys talk about lidar a little bit in the past with with um, other folks, um, and so I'll just describe it real quick. Um, it's a new technology. It's it, like I said, it's a remote sensing technology that we utilize um, to to get a good structural base for uh, uh, the landscape. So what it is is it's just a sensor that sends out pulses of light, millions of pulses of light per second. Um, and it sends out a signal or that pulse of light, and when it hits something, it bounces back. And it may there may be multiple bounce backs from one single single pulse. And we know what the speed of light is, and we know exactly where that sensor is in the in the air in that aircraft. And so, therefore, if we know how fast how how long it took for that that pulse of light to go to something, you can wear it on your chest. Also, they have they have terrestrial. Um, lidar, so it's it's not just from from aircraft or satellites, which they are doing as well, um, but it's from any sensor. So in this case, it it sends out a pulse of light. We know how we know what the speed of light is, and if we know exactly how long it takes for that pulse of light to come back, we can create a three D picture of the structure of the landscape in which we're looking at. And in our case, it's forest land primarily, and so we can tell the heights of trees, we can tell the structures of some of those, those trees, and um, that's really exciting. And when we utilize that data, which is spatially across the entire landscape, when we utilize that data with plot data, we can now 
model the entire forest based on that information and predict what is happening within an area that doesn't have any any samples, any plot samples, but based on the, the structure and what our models say, and of course we know what most most trees look like, we can tell what's going on in that in that tree, what the volumes are, what the basal area is, what um what what sizes, what size class trees those are, what cover type it is, um, just a plethora of different information in which we can now we can now say something important about the, the forest structure and the forest um, area uh, uh, in, in the state of Minnesota. I have what amazes that. me with some of that data is I've seen seen some LIDAR, but the modern LIDAR, you can find down logs out in the forest. You can, you know, some of it is pretty detailed stuff. You can you can do a lot of analysis beyond just a volume of trees. Yeah, in the early 2000s, we collected what we call low-density LIDAR, which is basically what we, what you call one pulse per square um, um, meter, which gives us a low-resolution image. And, and it was great for understanding um, uh, what we call a digital elevation map or the, 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 hard, the surface of the, of the Earth. That was great. Now we're utilizing what's called high-density LIDAR, which could be 30 pulses per square meter, and a square meter is, of course, about three, three point two by three point two feet in in squared. So now you can really see details that you couldn't see before. And if you overlay that with photography, now you can really see a lot of really critical information and good information, and say something about that for structure or or the the, the landscape and with within we within it. Um, um, within the landscape. So, so the other really interesting thing is you can utilize this data, not only for forest inventory, but from the forest inventory, you can now start modeling and saying something about um, wildlife habitat or water resources or what the influence is um, um, from that information or from the forest uh, to that, to that, for that wildlife, um, uh, for instance. It's an amazing thing. I have looked at LIDAR many, many times. I'm kind of a map geek, and uh, and the LIDAR, the early LIDAR was really revelatory for me to be yes. able to look at, you know, just any piece of land. I can look at my land, and I can see the little rise and fall of the of the terrain as it moves across and it's it's astonishing dennis i want yeah, to thank you fun. for yeah i want to thank you for joining us this morning this has been very 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 interesting for me i am thrilled to to hear that uh, this kind of work is going on and the the more detailed lidar would be really interesting are there um is this public available? I mean, I I know that I can go and look at the old LIDAR. Is the new LIDAR kind of stuff available to the public so that we can examine that kind of stuff? It just so as a- it, it, it will become available. How's that? Um, through Minnesota um, Geospatial Commons. Uh, but we've just collected the northern part of the state, and we are now utilizing that data to start our forest inventory products, yeah. if, if you will. And so... And so it'll be used for lots of other disciplines. Water resources are, is a really important um, discipline that they're that using it for, um, and that's where we where you can tell where water is flowing and and and, and hills and valleys and whatnot. Um, but uh, this data will become available as we collect it, um, and so we collected uh, some this year, this spring. So this data is collected in the springtime, where the leaves are off, 
so that we can see um, the structure of the forest, but also the ground. And and so and so we collected data last year, this year, um, and a couple of years ago, and then on into the future. So we should be done with the entire state, I think, by either next potentially two springs from now. Um, if, if, if not this next spring. So we'll have the entire state covered again in the next couple of years with high density LIDAR and it will be available to the public. The other thing that I wanna, I wanna put a plug out there for is we're collecting what we call PBI or plot-based inventory over the state. We've done that on all public lands. That's what we're using to model our forest inventory with the LIDAR, but now we're moving into private lands and we want people to, to sign up um, I don't have all that particular, but I just wanted to put a plug out there because we will be connecting with people. The Minnesota Forest uh, Forestry Association will be working with us um, and some um, SWCDs to to try and get um, uh, private landowners to sign up um, to to get a plot put on their land so that we can because that will help us um, create a better forest model um, over all landowners, not just the public, but also private. And that could be potentially um, available into the future. Dennis, Dennis Kepler from the Minnesota DNR Resource Assessment, along with Mark Jacobs for our Forest History Series. Thanks for your time today. Yeah, thanks very much, Great. guys. You. you can catch our past conversations with John Ryla, and this one will be available as well at kaxc.org. Coming up next will be Pat Miller on the river.